This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 140 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Monday, July 18th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we prepare for Xbox's biggest month since the launch of Halo Infinite, thanks to a high-profile indie and the Hot Wheels DLC speeding on to Forza Horizon 5. We've got that, a delay of Season 7 and Sea of Thieves, and a bit of Halo Infinite co-op news. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness are extended to my two good buddies who I game with regularly, nearly every day, Mr. James Suddy and Joseph Moran. We had an incredible time playing Sea of Thieves this past weekend, uh, doing some serious Jack Sparrow level pirating. It was incredible. We were uh, skirting ships. We were getting chased and hawked. We did some harpoon maneuvers straight out of a movie. It was so cool. We whipped around some rocks, harpooned our ship for a tighter turn, decelerated, and then broadsided an attacking ship that had been hawking us for a good bit. Uh, lots of incredible just little moments that, that sandbox games can give you. We did them together, and through the course of, I would say, an hour and a half, we got some of the highest profile loot in the game, fended off PvP, handled some PvE stuff, all with like expert coordination expert communication we did it without getting frustrated with each other every little setback was a build-up to a bigger uh and better moment where we overcame an obstacle guys it was so cool to just be so like in tune with your teammates and, and maneuvering the boat and shooting things out it was just one of those those special times and, and for like an hour and a half two hours we were just in tune with one another everybody pitched in in any different part i would run down and do repairs jump to a cannon at different times uh different people were shooting out suddy was expert on repairs joe would jump into pvp but we would all rotate roles as was needed by the battles and it was just the coolest thing we tricked that ship multiple times into running ashore uh we tricked them into different you know getting exploded uh, in different moments and in scoring the different treasures that we did and, and fending them off it was just a a testament to the the in the zone coolness that video games can be and so while you've heard their names before on the show i wanted to just throw a special shout out because that was just some of the best gaming with friends I've had in a long time. And we game a lot uh, together, for sure, across Fortnite, Halo Infinite, Sea of Thieves, Avengers. We game all types of games, but it was just just one of those coolest moments to have. And so shout out to Suddy. Shout out to, to Joseph Moran. Suddy actually celebrated uh, his birthday just a few days ago. I don't know how old he is, but it's got to be real old uh, for sure. And 
um, it's just an absolute pleasure. I love you guys. You guys are great. Uh, and I appreciate you for sure. Some quick housekeeping, guys. Uh, if you get a chance, it would mean the absolute world if you would throw a review over on Spotify or iTunes, if you're watching on YouTube, which is uh, not really a primarily del- primary delivery service for XCP, but it really does mean the world when people uh, throw a like on there or drop a comment. It helps the algorithms and such uh, and helps me kind of punch above my weight, which I'm so appreciative of. Um, I, I just thank you guys for listening. It really means a lot, whether it's, you know, six people, 600, 6,000, any given episode um, does varying levels of success, given, you know, that, that it's a oftentimes an interview show and people come for the interview. And um, I'm having two, I'm actually I'm having three kind of quiet weeks of, of no interviews. I needed a break. I'm going on vacation next week. So your episode will come on a Monday again. That's why I kind of adjusted my timelines to uh to, to accommodate embargoes for As Dusk Falls, Bright Memory Infinite, and uh, it'll be a week until my next episode comes out because I'm going on a, a mini vacation with my wife next weekend, so I won't be recording until Monday as well. Um, so those are just little things, but yeah, if you're able to support the show in any way, I really appreciate it. The retweets, uh, for those of you on Twitter, that really does mean the world. It, the likes and the retweets, they show engagement and algorithms pick it up. Uh, so, you know, if you get a chance to support, that would be amazing. Now, I got a lot of stuff uh, on the docket this week, which I was surprised to have all things considered. I was expecting a quiet week. And then upon reflection, I was like, yo, we've got a lot. So let's get to it. Now, I mentioned Sea of Thieves in my opening and the Sea of Thieves developers over at Rare have come out and said that they will be delaying season seven of content. And this is interesting for a couple reasons. Even if you're not necessarily a, P- a CV- Sea of Thieves player this is interesting because season seven was set to bring captaincy and naming your boat something that players have long time wanted uh and i would argue that many people forget live service games we tend to forget how big the destiny community is how big the sea of thieves community is you know like i've often called those audiences niche not because of their size because certainly destiny world of tanks like they have tons and tons of players but because the narrative of those communities doesn't always make its way into kind of mainstream podcasts right they tend to have their own thing uh, destiny has uh, the last word with, with you know lord cognito and such and uh maybe it's like called the last word fire team chat fire time chat whatever, whatever but my point is like they have their own kind of podcast realm for focused content keelhauled uh with captain logan shout out to him uh for see if these people I often call those communities niche because they don't make their way into mainstream as much. But season seven brought a couple talking points that I wanted to uh, bring up for you. This was originally set to launch this week on July 21st. It was set to launch on the 21st and bring the ability to name your ship, a bunch of different like, you know, variant level updates that would uh, alter the way you interact with the gaming world and such. And a lot of people were really anticipating kind of a new battle pass. They call it a plunder pass to progress through just for a reason, right? Like in Sea of Thieves, progression is based on uh, accomplishments, but like any player is equally as powerful. You never power up in that game, right? You have to earn every little bit. Everything you get is cosmetically rewarded. So what was so fascinating about this is they came out and said, hey, we're delaying from July 21st to August 4th because of of things that are coming up and needing to be tweaked and how we uh, roll out this new season. Uh, the team's health did not want to be compromised. That was the biggest thing. Uh, they explained that the delay is small, but they really wanted to tweak the way that uh, some mechanics were going, and they really wanted to make sure the team's health wasn't compromised. And that's the talking point that I want to bring up here. The team's health. 
This is an ongoing narrative we're seeing out of Microsoft Studios. Of course, um, often covered to to diminishing returns is Halo Infinite's content drought and just how slow they are to bring new things to Halo Infinite. And consistently brought up in Halo Infinite's narrative is priority zero, the team's health, the team's health, the team's health. And at face value, it's very hard to knock that narrative right like you do not want to say well sacrifice the team self get the game out because then you're an absolute jerk right like there's no way around that and priority zero the team's health is important it is the most important thing and very uh something that should not be lost however i am curious and i think it's a fair question to ask and while i don't necessarily subscribe to this logic it is a fair question for gamers consumers people who pay money for a product to ask whether or not the team's health is a true reason for so many delays and content droughts. Those are my examples with Infinite and Sea of Thieves. But but the, the narrative overall applies to anything. Is it a true delay based on team health or are there management issues, management pipeline issues, bottlenecking? And what tends to happen in these discussions are armchair and analysis, people that are outside looking in and going off of the only perspective they have from the outside looking in without much reporting being done on what's going on internally. And then they level accusations of, of crunch or accusations of laziness, accusations of this, that, or the other. And the narratives kind of write themselves and run away. And in fact, that's why many companies are actually moving away from communications. ACG reporting uh, just two weeks ago that several companies are looking to move away from Twitter communication and go dark on Twitter uh, for the most part, not entirely, uh, and keep internal communications to, to programs like LinkedIn for marketing purposes. Uh, makes good sense, given that armchair analysis and the narratives tend to run away and people make assumptions that are blind. To go to the bottlenecking logistical issue, I think we've seen evidence at times that 343, specifically with Halo, uh, wasn't giving full-time positions to their employees and they were keeping them part-time or true, not part-time, uh, a better description would be contract workers. So they didn't have to pay full-time benefits, uh, at least not in the same way Jason Schreier reporting this. And so they were cycling out talent nine to, every nine to 18 months. Uh, thus, people that were being brought in weren't as familiar with the engine, the mechanics, the internal workings of the studio. Uh, and this could cause uh, a consistent cycling of talent in and out, thus delaying kind of the overall product's quality. That's a report from Jason Schreier that said that, and I'm, I, I don't know if that's actually the case. But if indeed that's something that's happening, that doesn't seem to be logical or supporting of the team health public narrative. That public narrative of team health, though, is a good thing, and it will likely pay dividends if they get it under control and the content starts delivering on expectations for first-party studios. If the games start delivering at first-party, top-tier level, and they've got the narrative of keeping talent happy and they're not cycling people out, they're making sure that people aren't crunching and they're willing to delay content for a few weeks, a few months to make sure that the team is healthy, I think you're going to see those dividends pay off uh, in a few years as Microsoft becomes one of the more attractive places for talent, the more attractive uh, places for people to go to create the games they want to make at a high level. And it reminds me of a conversation had on Cast Co-op, which we had a really good episode this past week. Mr. Ainsley Bowden and Joseph Moran uh, both joining me over on Cast Co-op because, of course, I'm the talent on that show, right? Like, definitely. I'm the draw. I'm not, not even close. Uh, but I do get to lead them in conversations over there. And they had a really good discussion uh, about 
AAA games, Sony, Microsoft pipelines, something similar. And as a result of Sean Layden's PS3 initiatives, you saw the top tier caliber games, the narrative based third person action games come to PlayStation 4. As a result of PS3 policies, talent pumped out seriously impressive content during the PS4 days. And that's what wrote the narrative for the PS4 and 5 to be so successful. While not a one-to-one comparison, if Microsoft can become the place for talent to go to not be crunched, to make the games they want to make, and to be well-rewarded for their efforts, then you're going to see those dividends pay off in a few years. We have had a big old content drought, which you can point pretty healthily to the pandemic for the most part, but not entirely. Games like Starfield being delayed, Sea of Thieves uh, content has been slow in the last uh, year. It's been pretty slow. Halo Infinite's content has been tremendously so slow since launch, frustratingly slow since launch, uh, with very mixed narratives for the reasoning. If they can get that stuff under control, then you are set to see some really impressive stuff. Uh, and I'm really excited for it. We've got a lot of good things in the pipeline for, for Xbox gamers to check out. They've quietly, they're going to have one of the biggest months they've had since Halo Infinite, thanks to As Dusk Falls and the Hot Wheels launch for Forza Horizon 5. Those are going to be huge in terms of uh, people discussing them, talking about them, putting up articles, as well as just people generally playing and streaming the games. Uh, I have been playing As Dusk Falls, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, but it's it's pretty wild to think about these kind of conflicting things, delays and pipeline issues, and then quietly having one of the biggest months. And we have one of the biggest uh, third-party years in the, in the fall for 2022. It's, it's pretty wild to think about. Um, just so many different talking points. And I feel like we go from quiet to loud, quiet to loud, and never an in-between in terms of news and discussions when it comes to, to releases and gaming. It's, it's a interesting thing to navigate as a content creator for sure. Um, yeah. So there, there, there's something to be said about that. Uh, it was asked and written in by court Lalonde from Xbox a, uh, and probably 30 13 different other podcasts that he's on uh, asking about whether or not I'd played halo infinites co-op given that that launched into beta. Uh, I know a lot of people were really excited about halo infinites co-op that is now in beta that beta is running from July 15th to August 1st. Now, you can get into it if you're registered for the Xbox Insider program. Very easy to do. Uh, that's for all Xbox players. If you're on Steam, you need to reg- you need to have registered for the program by July 11th. So you've missed your window if you're a Steam player. Uh, and you're unable to add additional players for Steam. But Xbox, they are. But that beta for Halo Infinite Co-op is running through August 1st. A lot of people that I've talked to are really enjoying it. I have not played through it on co-op and I'm actually waiting for the full launch Uh, right now my friends and I are just in a different phase we're interested in playing other stuff and I have found consistently that as a content creator that for when I force myself to play something I don't want to play for coverage I tend to I tend to resent the game a bit and not enjoy it Uh, and I'm curious even if that's what happened with as dusk falls which again I'll talk about in a moment um so I have not played the Halo Infinite co-op. I love Halo Infinite, and I'm anxious to do my lasso run with friends. Uh, but I, I have done so much that there is to do in the campaign. I've collected everything. I've beat it on Legendary Solo. Um, the only thing left to do is a lasso run or play co-op, and we're just not in a phase to do that right now. And frankly, I'd rather wait till the full launch, if I'm being honest with you guys. That's, that's kind of a, a thing. Betas interest me less and less, you know? Uh, I'll play things here and there out of out of curiosity but i don't tend to stick around in a beta i like to wait for full launches i don't know is anyone else like that or am i being 
pretentious, you know, like, is that a thing that I'm not doing uh, myself a service for? I just, I don't know if it makes sense, but I, I want credit for playing it properly internal, like internally. I don't know if that's a thing, but that's, that's where I stand on that one. But thank you for writing in court. I appreciate the question. In a few different statements during my Sea of Thieves segment, I talked about Xbox quietly having one of the best months that it's had since Halo Infinite. And that's a result of two, two, two things with kind of a supplementary element. The Hot Wheels DLC for Forza Horizon 5 has barely been talked about. And it's really surprising to me because this, to me, is what Xbox should have been showcasing and spotlighting more than As Dusk Falls. And I think there's a good reason for it. Forza Horizon 5 is absolutely stunning and incredible, and I'm really excited for this Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels DLC to drop. This is going to get me driving my car around regularly. I will be logging into Forza with with you know conviction, playing that nonstop. I loved, loved the gameplay mechanics of Forza Horizon combined with Hot Wheels in Forza Horizon 3, and I've played all th- 3, 4, and 5 pretty extensively for Forza Horizon. I'm so stoked to go back in, but I'm really surprised at how quiet they've been. Very little marketing on this one, very little uh, attention being given to this, and I'm curious if they're hoping the narrative just writes itself and letting the game kind of make the rounds, and that's why codes weren't sent out, to my knowledge. Uh, Codes weren't sent out. Um, They've been pretty dark as far as talking about it with a few like Xbox Wire things and no real like spotlight. All the spotlight has been given to As Dusk Falls, this small little indie game that uh, people are going absolutely nuts for. Now, I have been playing As Dusk Falls. I've had it for a bit. I played the first two chapters and really struggled to continue with it. And that was really hard to deal with as my colleagues who were reviewing the game uh, were were enamored with it right like season gaming absolutely loving it window central enjoying it like there was so many people that i would in you know find out were really liking the game and i don't i don't i hate that i don't uh it's it's odd it's one of those games where it has a divisive art style that i think you will uh either latch on to or reject it can be at times stunningly beautiful and other times very frustrating and annoying because it plays off in a, in a very storyboard-like affair with water, watercolored uh, features and elements to it. Uh, you don't see people remove in real time. You'll have QTE-style button prompts that are frustratingly delayed. Like you'll go in and press uh, to move your cursor or to, to tap or to swipe. And there's a bit of a delay between your input and what happens on screen. It's not very egregious given the game's style because if you've ever played a Telltale game, think about Telltale's Batman or The Walking Dead, then you've played this style game before. Your decisions will matter. They will have a a butterfly effect on the rest of the narrative and characters will remember choices, etc., etc. I found the writing to be really impressive at times and absolutely absurd at others. The main characters in, in the first two chapters were infuriating with their moments of weakness and inability to communicate with their family and be honest. I consistently got the honesty rating at the end because I don't like lying between family. Uh, I saved someone's marriage. Go, go me. Uh, I got the achievements for that, which was funny, but the more I saw interaction between the characters, the dialogue choices, and uh, the more I saw people being enamored with it and seeing reviews or people that were reviewing the game, loving it, the less I was into it. It's simply not a game for me. And I hate that. I hate when everyone's excited and I'm just not there for it, but I'm really not there for it. I don't like as dusk falls. And 
it's a it's a good game that does right by its people. And I played the first two chapters. The game's about eight hours long. I've played a little over two, and I'm not compelled to go back. That's why I don't call a lot of the coverage that I do here reviews, because a reviewer should be going start to finish and giving you a more thorough response. But for me, it's more of an impressions thing, and I want to give you guys how I feel about it and whatnot, and I just don't I don't like the story. It's it's sad and it's depressing. It's frustrating and you get angry. And that's not how I like to feel when I play games. But some people are there for it. They want that emotional roller coaster. They want to invest in those particular things. But it wasn't for me. I didn't like seeing a family suffer through, uh, you know, lies and deceit with one another. I didn't like seeing people trying to do what they had to do and resorting to crime and uh, in a way that was very real and painful. That wasn't for me. I will note some cool things, though. The controls, while I are delayed as far as the QTE elements and the swipe elements, there is a really cool feature where you can join via your phone if you're on the same Wi-Fi network. Very easy app download. Uh, type in the code that's on your screen and so that you can take over controls. You can do this with like eight other people simultaneously voting for responses and then it can choose. And I think that would be more fun. I played the entire first chapter using swipe and tap methods with my phone as the controller instead of the Xbox controller. And that was really cool. It was very, very easy to do, very user friendly. And I feel like the story, I might be more enjoyable if I was playing it with someone. Like I would enjoy it more if I was talking with my wife about the choices or debating with people on a stream that kind of thing. And so I think the game is going to have legs and be liked by a lot of people for those reasons. But as a solo person who plays games for either a power fantasy or an escapism element, this game was too real for me and the characters too frustrating. And it's just not a game that I'm, I'm built for, not one that I'm into. I would rather play little indie platformers or uh, cool action paced first person shooters or the, or something like that than going through with with this type of an experience. But it's on Game Pass. I do encourage you all to try it because there's a lot to be had potentially for you. I see so many people liking it and interested and that art style is cool to see. Um, There's a lot of potential fun there. So I hope my impressions helped you. In fact, it mean the world. If you guys would just write in, let me know if, if my impressions helped you decide whether to play or not to play it. Because as someone who's not writing a review for it and put the game down, but is still generating coverage, uh, I'm curious how that's received by my audience, if that makes sense. I want to also talk about another game that is going to quietly help Xbox have a pretty big month, and that's Bright Memory Infinite. If you remember, this was the game that so many people were going nuts about when we first saw the Xbox Series X. Uh, it is, it's, you know, made by one developer over in China. Uh, you can have sword and gunplay. You'll be fighting, like, medieval knights and futuristic soldiers and uh, pretty wacky, weird, you know, time travel wormhole-style story, but the, it looks beautiful. There was a pretty framey mess of a prequel or, or prologue launched onto the Xbox store when the Series X first came out, just called Bright Memory. And that was kind of a mess, really poorly optimized and whatnot. But in my time with Bright Memory Infinite, I'm really enjoying it. This is a wacky, uh, you know, pure chaos, fun FPS game that if you liked games like Shadow Warrior or Doom Eternal, you're going to dig this one. There's some zany Japanese elements to it. You know, you can put outfits on your, your main character who's a female. Uh, that really don't suit the narrative. They might be more suited for like lollipop chainsaw or something, but 
Uh, I really dig Bright Memory Infinite as a as a kind of more budget chaos, fast paced first person shooter. That's a more fun game for me to play. That again, that's part of that power fantasy and detaching from real world. I would recommend it. Um, at least at this point, game comes out on the twenty first. Uh, I've got more to play before I give you full full coverage, but I'm liking it. Now, I've talked about Xbox having a pretty big month as far as As Dusk Falls, Hot Wheels DLC, Bright Memory Infinite, but they're set to have a pretty big month, I suppose, in August as well as September and October by way of um, the Sea of Thieves update for first party, but then a lot of pretty cool stuff in the third party realm. Over the next few months through September and October, you're going to see Saints Row, the remake being made, Gollum's going to be coming out, Lego Brawls is coming out. Uh, you'll see the the sports games like NBA 2K coming out, Warhammer Dark Tide, Evil West, Deliver Us Mars, Midnight Suns, No More Heroes 3, Plague Tale Requiem, Scorn, all the Persona games are coming to Game Pass, Gotham Knights is coming out, Resident Evil Village Expansion, and Modern Warfare 2, all taking you through October. Uh, pretty wild to think some of those games are, are just so huge for so many people. Uh, Metal Hellslingers in there. I think I failed to mention that one. There's a couple JRPGs that are launching in there. Steel Rising is happening. And then if you're not an Xbox gamer, you've got games like Splatoon 3 over on Switch, The Last of Us remake over on PlayStation. Uh, for like the 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 people that follow Ainsley Bowden, he's stoked for the Biomutant next-gen update for Xbox Series X. There's a lot of stuff coming over the next two months and that's before we even get to november which will include god of war which will include skull and bones uh this is a packed year that i feel like it popped up out of, out of the sudden because we didn't really have the first party element uh happening you got your sea of these update you got your uh expansion to forza horizon but there's really not a lot first party for 2022 xbox when starfield got moved it was like all right we're kind of calling this year a mulligan on first party uh, big drops, and we, but we've got expansions and such. But third party really feels like they've stepped up as long as indies, and that's always seems to be the the method, right? This has been the year of the backlog for me. I've tackled a few new games like Elden Ring and such, but uh, a lot of it has been like clearing out the backlog, playing old games, and that's been kind of nice. You know, if you're going to look at a silver lining, that's pretty darn cool, all things considered. My eyes, of course, are still on God of War, still on Gotham Knights, and I really want Avatar to be good. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I know a lot of people are checking out the summer game sale, which has gone live. Uh, it's like the Xbox summer sale of 2022, and it feels like there's these happen a lot, which is cool. Uh, and sometimes Game Pass negates these sales, which is also a cool effect. However, if you're not a Game Pass subscriber, there's like over 500 games that are on sale uh, Game Pass subscribers can buy the games that, that are already on the service. Some of the discounts are up to 90%, which is pretty darn cool. Um, I, I always try to scroll through and find a small indie game or two to check out and throw some attention their way. I'm, I'm debating the 8-bit games, like the 8-bit army, 8-bit zombies. Uh, this is like three bucks. It's like, oh, maybe I'll take a chance on those. Um, but, I mean, like, there's some pretty big discounts on games that people should be checking out. You've got your Infinite Forces. you got your... Uh, Obsidian games like our Outer Worlds was being cited by I think Windows Central. I think Brandon Lowry over there was talking about how Outer Worlds is seventy five percent off. A lot of people love that game right there, and and that's a good one to spotlight. Um, I just as a dark horse, kind of a quiet gem that is overlooked often now. I was thinking about the game Recore the other day. Launched pretty 
pretty badly over on Xbox One when it first happened. Uh, but in its definitive edition, it really came into its own. And that's a game people forget about a lot because the Xbox One generation was such a, a frustrating generation, particularly in the beginning, and ReCore was kind of nestled in there. But for all the talk and attention that Rise, Son of Rome, gets, I would point you guys towards ReCore. Check out that game. I really like it. I really like it. Um, I need to actually go look on eBay again. I want that statue. I really like ReCore, and I, that's a game that I would love a sequel for. <laughs> My dog is... Uh, jumpy over in the background sorry if you guys heard that one the last little bit of news i want to point to uh regards the game skate of course skate for in development we've got a reddit post and a, and a bit of leaks here that are what look to be fairly credible suggesting that the game is now free to play and it's going to be titled simply skate uh the developers kind of confirmed this when they came out and said that the game is not going to have uh like nft loot box type stuff however in some of the in-game stuff that has been shown there are things called swag bags and it really it really makes you wonder like all right are we trying to loophole some stuff here because it is published by ea it's awesome that the game is being made and being play tested it is nerve-wracking when you look at the publisher and their decisions so if you're excited for skate awesome keep an eye on that one um i'm curious how a live service ongoing free-to-play game is going to be supported right by ea you, of course microtransactions and i have no problem with microtransactions if they're not predatory and sometimes companies get it wrong including microsoft so we'll see kind of how that that tends to go all right let's switch gears a bit and go to listener mail The first question comes from Mr. Artur Gaming. He says, looking at October in particular, how important is a game's success uh, to its release date and which games this year are going to suffer because of it? That is a great question. I talked to just the last segment about the kind of crowded windows for the next few months with August, September, October, uh, all looking fairly crowded, right? And and a lot of third-party games being dropped into there. Um, a game's release window can mean everything. I think the most common example is Titanfall 2. Uh, that was the best game to launch between, it was one of the Call of Duties, I want to say Infinite Warfare um, and Battlefield 5. They nestled that within two weeks of the two uh, and really damned that game, which was the best of the three, to a middling response. Critically, it was well-received. The players that played it loved it, but Titanfall 2 kind of dead on arrival as a result of it being nestled between the two biggest first-person shooters of the time, and that's a darn shame. Um, a game's release date can really make a big difference, and I'm curious to see what happens to uh, games like Midnight Suns, uh, games like uh, Plague Tale, Requiem, and Scorn, because October is so crowded for so many reasons. You've got the, the Persona games coming to Game Pass, the Resident Evil expansion, Modern Warfare. The sequel to Modern Warfare is dropping at the end of October. That's a big deal. I mean, look at Skull and Bones. That game needs an audience to live. It needs streamers to be interested. It needs a community to check it out. And they're launching the day before God of War, right? Like, God of War, everyone should be out of the way of that game. Even if you're outside the genre, you should be out of the way and just let that narrative run and then let Skull and Bones, that should be a late November, early December game because Callista Protocol is not going to steal thunder from, from Skull and Bones. And that, that as a live service, Skull and Bones needs the attention. Um, and, and I worry about that. You could argue, think about another game like Deliver Us Mars. Well, Deliver Us the Moon uh, arrived in a game pass at a time where nothing was coming out. 
and got a lot of good responses. Well, now that's launching in September, on September 27th, but I don't think anything around it is going to take away too much of its thunder. You know, like Evil West isn't going to steal Deliver Us Mars coverage. Diofield Chronicle is not going to steal that coverage. Valkyrie Elysium is not going to steal that coverage. It's kind of just going to exist and have its have its time on September 27th, and people are going to check out uh, that title. It's interesting. When you've got high-profile games, they can really overshadow some small projects, but small projects rarely overshadow others. Um, caveat, I mean, we're always kind of surprised by different things that go viral and take popularity right now power wash simulator is all the rage peppa pig is all the rage on social spaces and that's confusing to me but like you never know people like to make the narrative and jump in and not miss out and uh you know power wash had its week i bet you as dusk falls we'll have its have its time and the legs on on hot wheels will be the talking point for a bit um, I will say Lord of the Rings Gollum, that game is probably doomed. The game doesn't look great. It's got the Last of Us remake coming out a day later. Uh, it's got, you know, Saints Row and, and Lego Brawls surrounding its release date. I don't see Gollum doing well, right? So, you know, it's a good question. I think the release date absolutely does matter, but uh, we'll see kind of how that tends to work out. Next question comes from Mr. Blaze Knight, who I'm going to let down in just a moment. He says, what are your favorite indie JRPGs on Xbox playable on Series X? Blaze Knight, I don't play JRPGs, man. I'm so sorry. I hate that I let you down here. It's not a genre I've really enjoyed. Um, I'm sorry, buddy. I like Western RPGs. Elden Ring, Witcher, yay. Uh, I'm sorry, buddy. I don't mean to let you down on that one. Edward Varnell writing in, do you think the Xbox Series S and X is getting a pass and less questioning by not having titles out and that Game Pass is the reason that that it is getting overlooked? Uh, Edward, absolutely. Yep, I, they've got a very quiet 2022 as a result of delays and uh, kind of frustrating management and acquisitions. And yeah, Xbox doesn't have first-party stuff really happening in 2022 again we talked ad nauseum now about the expansions and the content they're bringing to their games but yeah they don't have the big drops this year uh ground is going to get its full release i don't think i've mentioned that one but people are checking out because of game pass because of the variety because of the ability to enter the ecosystem at 300 for the series s or 250 when it's on sale um, because the supply chains are so constricted for playstation and xbox seems to be navigating that a bit better uh, in the absence of first-party content, people are still going there because of Game Pass, and they're finding that they've got first-party content from years of yore, of, of neglect that they haven't checked out, and they're seeing it well-supported by indies, by AAA third-party developers, and, I mean, so what, right? Like, at the end of the day, if people are happy and playing games, that's what Xbox cares about. But I do think the dividends of First Party will make their way in. I thought it would have been in 2022. Looks like it's going to be starting in 2023. Uh, go back to the conversation about pipelines and logistical development, team health, and, and cite that. But I don't know that it's getting overlooked, but it is uh, it is acknowledged and people are still going to the community. But it's a good question. Famous Seamus writes in, I see people comparing the newly announced PlayStation Stars program to Microsoft Rewards. Do you think PlayStation Stars can measure up to Microsoft Rewards? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Famous Seamus. They are comparable in a lot of ways. This is for the people that are interested and are already on that platform. I don't think anybody should be switching platforms based on reward points or stars uh, for PlayStation. I think it's just an added incentive to people that are already in the ecosystem. Microsoft Rewards has been nerfed a few times, and it's really frustrating because it used to be top tier 
Um, I'm really glad this PlayStation program was announced because in the absence of competition, uh, you get you get atrophied. And I think the rewards program was beginning a bit stagnant uh, and, and not being as beneficial. So I think it's great. I think, but I don't think anybody should switch their purchasing because of it. So I think it's already a kind of a, a service to those that are, are rocking it uh, already on that platform. Let's go with one more question this week. Rocking and rolling here. This one comes from Aman from Project X Talk. He says, if you were a lead developer at a game studio, what type of game would you make? Genre, combat style, characters, setting. It would always be a third person action RPG game. Uh, think, think Witcher or Elden Ring, but in a superhero style setting. Um, a little bit more approachable. Uh, dark and gritty would be the name of it. Uh, I would like to see a character that is not overpowered like daredevil would be a really cool one and making use of, of his different powers there. A daredevil game would be really, really cool. Uh, third party or sorry, third person action RPG uh, daredevil or black Panther. Those are the kind of the two. I think you can do a lot of really cool powers with vibranium tech. Uh, I think you do some really cool stuff with daredevils uh, sightless abilities and his abilities, abilities to sense things. Uh, those characters are powerful, but not OP. I think it'd be really neat to see them navigating a real world, uh, not a real world, like a, like a world built for them step level scenario. Uh, traversal would be particularly cool with each of them. The vibranium tech again, serving to let Panther, you know, fly around, maneuver around. Whereas daredevil could be making use of, of his different like athletic abilities as well as his uh, kind of swinging stick uh, through it, like a hell's kitchen. That'd be really neat. Um, almost always I'll default to that stuff. I like superhero games. That's what I want to see. Um, somebody more talented than me with better vision should make a Superman game. I'm going to say that time and again. I'm tired of seeing all these incredible mods for Grand Theft Auto uh, from Superman to Homelander to um, whatever the Marvel version is. I forget his name. Um, but like seeing characters fly through open worlds is really cool. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it for me. If you do uh, want to follow me over on Twitter at InsipidGhost, you can find me uh, there. You can find XEP. Of course, you're already listening to it, but it's on all your podcast services and YouTube. Please show some love to the review services there. And it would mean the world if you would share the episode with people that you think would be interested. That's it for me, guys. Take care.